Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Hot Takes from the Berg Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Jason Mitchner, joined alongside Ian Hatcher. And we had arguably the craziest four-game stretch of football that we've seen in a very, very long time. Uh, before we hop into that, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, as usual. It couldn't be really be any better than than I am right now. I'd say other than maybe if my team was still playing, uh, but as you mentioned, Jason, this was, I'm going to stamp it. I'm going to say it. This was the craziest playoff round or best week of football. I, I do think I can go that far. I've seen in my lifetime this last week in this divisional round, there's every game was something to behold. And that's really what we always look for. I mean, at least for me, that's the standard. If we get a close tight game, where things really matter and things like that comes down to the wire, close games, that's where it's at. And we had four of those kinds of matchups and some controversial finishes, some finishes we expected. But either way, I can't wait to break those down and then obviously get into the conference championship. And starting off with the first game of this past weekend, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans. Since he does come in with the upset, but I think overall – People were expecting Cincinnati to win this one. I know the the lines were saying Tennessee was going to walk away with this, but with um, not expecting what Derrick Henry was going to do and all of that, he ran 20 times, which I think was even a little much for him still having a metal plate in his foot. Um, but overall, like, didn't expect know what to expect from the Titans. You knew what you were going to get from the Bengals. So a fantastic game from Joe Burrow. Uh, 28 for 37, 348. Not able to get in the end zone, but um, able to lead his offense down the field and get them in scoring range. Uh, Joe Mixon with the only touchdown of today. And the rookie kicker, Evan McPherson, just knocking down kicks, four for four with a 54-yarder. Yeah, uh, you mentioned it. Evan McPherson, definitely probably the hero for the Cincinnati Bengals this week. Um, definitely cementing himself as one of the best young kickers in the league, but – I want to get uh, – first of all, I want to touch on the Derrick Henry situation. As you mentioned, I don't think it was all that bad. I mean, you, I, I knew they were going to pound the rock with Derrick Henry because I, I know that he's the, the keys for success for this team, so it wasn't any surprise to see him handle the rock 20 times. To me, it was a little interesting, though, to see the kind of day that uh, Dante Foreman was having and to not kind of get him involved more, even though he was clearly the – I mean, not throughout the game because he only had four touches, but I mean, he was the better rusher throughout that game. And the fact that they still didn't lean anymore on him. And because that was the whole thing why I didn't even pick them to begin with, because I didn't know if he, what Derrick Henry were going to get. And I also mentioned it um, before that episode, I'm, I'm not a big Tannehill guy. And I think it's kind of fitting that in this game, it really was Tannehill in my opinion, that cost this team. I mean, because you knew you weren't going to be able to really rely on a 240 yard, Derrick Henry game you knew you weren't going to get that or likely the you know the three touchdowns from him or something like that Tannehill to to me had three extremely costly mistakes and and those are the interceptions Uh, you can't firmly put all the blame on him on all of them but for two of them I definitely can and and 
I don't know. It, to me, it was the complete opposite. Burrow didn't find the end zone, but if you watch this game, Burrow had a fantastic game. He kept this Bengals team moving down the field, and that's something that Tannehill just couldn't couldn't keep up with. I mean, you, you see what happens here. I mean, Burrow, 350 yards. Basically, Tannehill had almost half those attempts and completions and 220 yards. It's just his offense couldn't move up and down the field as easy as the Bengals, and it only ends up resulting in a field goal win. But I do think the Bengals have to feel good about this one. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And uh, like you said, Ryan Tannehill with the cost and mistakes, especially that that last interception to I think it was Mike Hilton that set up the Bengals in field goal range to get the, the game winner. Um, overall, just a bit of a sloppy game on both ends. Uh, not great offense from either team, uh, but not terrible offense. Um Kind of a lackluster game, but at the end, uh, an amazing finish. Fucking A. Yeah, this definitely wasn't the offensive showcase that I think, you know, we kind of could have expected coming into this one. But um, really, I think that's more of a credit to the Bengals because I, I still am at this point where I'm still week in and week out surprised by what how well this defense continues to play. Trey Hendrickson is playing his ass off. Logan Wilson is manning the middle as good as any. I've long liked Jesse Bates. And with Shadobia Wuzie, I mean, they're starting to really carve out difference makers at every level of the defense and I think that's really kind of the key to success for this team is that they're not dependent on any one facet of their defense it's not like you need your your secondary to come down with three interceptions in a game it's not like your defensive line has to get five sacks in a game it's not like you know your safety needs to knock out the opposing team's best player to have a chance to win all you need to do is to get you know just hope that like I mentioned these good players, star players that you have, make enough plays. And in this one, they definitely did. Now, they were dealing with the hobbled Titans team a little bit with Derrick Henry and a quarterback in Tannehill who I don't give all that or I don't believe all that much in. But still, to come in as a team that no one expected to really make much of this season and to find yourself in the AFC championship, I mean, I think the Bengals deserve a world of credit. Oh, no doubt. I'm, I'm happy to see this Bengals team in the conference championship. They're going to have a tough matchup, but we'll get into that in, in a little bit. Um, On to the evening game of that Saturday, the San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers. The the Rodgers curse continues. Um, If this was a normal season, uh, this would have been the week of the NFC conference championship. Rodgers is not able to get past that. I don't I don't know if it's just something in his brain that just shuts off at this point in time or or what, but he did not look himself this game. Yeah, this definitely wasn't the this definitely wasn't the game that I think people were expecting. It definitely was not the game that I was expecting. Obviously, you know, I was pretty adamant on believing in this um Packers team and I have to admit the 49ers played uh, played played a good game. I mean, I, 
to me, I think this is just a hard fault kind of a playoff game. Um, in reality, this is one of those grind them out, beat them up, two tough teams. I do still, even with the result of this game, believe both of these teams are really good. I do also want to say that I do believe it, it's funny to me that year in and year out, it feels like almost despite Aaron Rodgers and the, the fact that he dare to even ask for something as a player, the fact that they refuse to basically get him anything else, that was one of the biggest aspects in this game that I felt was in favor of the 49ers was the, the amount of playmakers that they had. Between Debo Samuel, Elijah Mitchell, um, Ayuk, and then you have Kittle. I mean, they had playmakers on the field that could do things that the Packers simply could not. It seems like for the Packers, if you want to hope to move the ball, it has to be Devontae Adams or it has to be Aaron Jones. There is no real in-between, and that is what is continually year in and year out plagued this team. Now, I fell into the trap that, you know, is there every year where Aaron Rodgers, it doesn't matter throughout the regular season, and Aaron Rodgers basically just kind of disregards that fact. It's six yards outside of Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones receiving. You cannot, you cannot be that easy, that simple. It, it does not work. When it comes to the playoffs, teams will take away what you do best. Or if, if they can't take it away, they will do everything in their power to try. And so you knew that was going to be the case. And st- this, is the, this is the result. This is a lack of foresight by the front office. And, I mean, if there's anybody who you would think would know the offense well, I'd go out on a limb and bet that it would be Aaron Rodgers. And I do hate to say this. I- I'm not surprised in the slightest if he leaves the Packers. I do think that the, it's sad the Packers have put together a really good team, but they have not listened to the gripes of their quarterback. And at this point, I can't, I can't defend the Packers anymore. I mean, usually I say you can't, you've never been to a to players' demands or, or things like this, or it depends how you do it. This man is giving you so much at this point. If he leaves, it's on it's on the Packers, and they'll have to look in the mirror and wonder why they didn't get the last three years of Aaron Rodgers' career. And I know it always looks bad on him. But in this one, I, first of all, I mean, Aaron Rodgers doesn't play special teams. I'll say that. And in addition, I mean, the lack of playmakers to his aid weren't there. I mean, I, Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones were there, but you can you can key out, you can phase two players almost out of a game or to the point to where you can see this. Your offense has one touchdown and it's neither one of those players. It's A.J. Dillon. I, I think that also adds a little bit to the effect that, it's just – it's easy to stop something when you know what's coming. Yeah, it's, it's a sad, sad world for Rodgers right now in the Packers. Um, I definitely don't think it helps that they just lost their offensive coordinator who went to Denver, which who knows, that might bring Rodgers there. But we will find out. Overall, congrats to the 49ers making it to this point. Never would have thought with – uh, how the season started uh, with Jimmy G on the hot seat. Granted, he hasn't been playing great, but he's been playing one in football. Been doing just enough. And before we move on, I would also like to credit um, this 49ers pass rush. I mean, five sacks in this game. They made Rodgers' life difficult, and it was it was a team effort by that defense to kind of, like I said, phase out what you know this Green Bay Packers team wants to do, and they, and they did a really good job of it. 
Yep. And now on to Sunday afternoon, we have the Los Angeles Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Rams do squeak away with this one after basically collapsing in the second half um, defensive-wise, giving up uh, 24 points to let the, the Bucs come back, tie at 27-27. Before they uh, have Matt Gay just drill a game winner. But this has been the Rams for the past few weeks. They're a really good first-half team, and they collapse in the second half. But they're such a, a good team that it doesn't even matter. Like, Cooper Cup, 9 for 183, one touchdown. Uh, Stafford threw 28 for 38, 366, and two touchdowns. Um, only got sacked twice. This this team is just stacked beyond yeah. belief. Well, to me, the thing that really separates this team I, I continue to try to um figure it out and there was there's been things that worried me about this Rams team and, and throughout the season just I mean not worried me in the sense of oh they're not a playoff team or anything like that but just worried me in the context of winning a Super Bowl because that's it's obvious that's what the intentions are here and, and it's always been the giveaway place they're turning the ball over you we've seen it be Stafford at points in the year giving the ball away. In this game, it was Cam Akers. He had just come back. As crazy as the story as that is, the two fumbles really, really, really in crunch time almost cost them this game. And the man himself, Cooper Cup, with the play of the game, that huge receiving play of what felt like 40 yards almost on just a straight streak where he beat the, this Tampa Bay secondary and set them up into field goal position – that was the play that won them the game, and he played fantastic throughout this one. Um, this was another game where their defense or where the Rams' defense played really well. Tom Brady had – you'd look at the stats and he had a good game, but he was under duress the entire game. Not having Tristan Wirfs was definitely definitely a problem. But this game, to me, was scary because it was a little close, closer than it had to be. Like I said, I credit that to the Acres fumbles. But the – Big thing for this Rams team is Cooper Cup. I'm not sure there's a corner left in this that can handle Cooper Cup. And like I said, he almost cut, not single-handedly, but with that play he made at the end of the game, won them this game. And that's why, to me, him and Stafford's uh, connection is the best that's in, in the playoffs right now. Well, right beside Mahomes and Tyreek. So, I think that's obviously a deadly combination and one that, like I said, I don't think there's a corner left in this outside of the one that plays for his, uh, you know, Cup's own team that can really neutralize him. And that would, the one that I'm speaking of would be Jalen Ramsey. And I definitely don't really love the matchup that they're heading into this week, but either way, like I said, it's, it was a heavy dose of what's made the Rams good all year. You know, I mean, the run game was just enough and then Cooper cup absolutely dominated that defense played phenomenal. Um, without if they can limit these turnovers, they will really be maybe the Super Bowl favorite for me at this point. But I have gotten to see them minimize on turnovers, and if they can't do that, they might be going home this week. Yeah. Um, and another big thing, Cooper Cup with this game officially becomes the first wide receiver uh, to have over 2,000 yards both regular season and postseason, um, which is outrageous to think about yeah. like he has had 
arguably one of the best wide receiver seasons of all time, like up there with Calvin Johnson season. And of course, Jerry Rice, he has been the, the focal point of this offense and I'm, I'm glad to see him succeeding and hopefully he, he continues this. Yeah. And now on to what can be argued, probably the game of the century for years to come. This Buffalo Bills, Kansas city game. There were more points scored in the last minute and 54 seconds than the entire Green Bay-San Francisco game. A minute 54 seconds, 25 points scored. Gosh. The, the, even thinking about that, it doesn't feel right. No, I mean, it, it felt watching it like a video game. I mean, it's the only kind of thing I would have to compare it to because of how unreal it felt. But it was so awesome for the fact that you knew it was two of the best players in the game at their individual positions and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes doing everything they could, literally willing their team to it. I mean, they were – this is probably, you know, quarterback versus quarterback, the best performance I've ever seen from both of these guys, not only were they so incredibly effective through the air all game long, they were also the leading rushers, both of them for their teams. We always talk about Josh Allen and what he's able to do with his legs. Patrick Mahomes actually had one more yard and a touchdown than him on less carries a, a really amazing game for him, you know, moving through the pocket, finding, you know, realizing when it's time to use his legs and doing that effectively. But this was absolutely just a shootout. I mean, first of all, Gabriel Davis had the most amazing game I think I've ever seen from a player. I mean, just I've liked Gabriel Davis, and he's been a really, really effective part of what this Bills passing attack has been doing for two years now. But, man, this was the game where he put himself on the map. 50% of his catches go for touchdowns, and he had eight catches. So that's four touchdowns for him on the day, over 200 yards. Absolutely fantastic. Um, but this one really comes down to the fact that the overtime rules need to be changed. Um, I, I'm firmly on, on the side of that. I think it's been – it's always so sad that nothing is ever really talked about in the NFL until we realize what there's a problem with it. I mean, the NFL rules have been wrong for my entire lifetime. I mean, my entire life, the, these rules have been wrong. And we've also seen things like college football go and change it to – a way that makes overtime fun and exciting, give both teams a chance, keep both teams' hopes alive. And the NFL just sits there and looks at it like, well, that's dumb. We're no, We got it. This is fine. And then something like this happens and everyone's up in arms. Like, it's been a problem the whole time. It needs to change. Um, I guarantee you it gets changed this offseason or if not the next um, because now they out, it's just the outroar that had to happen. But it was definitely sad to see Josh Allen and his offense not get a chance to even touch the field after overtime because either team that got the ball, I firmly believe was going to win. Um, but this was one of the best games uh, I've ever seen. And based off of the way the rules are written right now, the Kansas city chiefs are a winner, but man, I wish we could go back and have done that one again, because who knows what would have happened, but it was such an enjoyable game. And I, I mean, the, the chiefs earned this one. I, I, I do have to say, even though the bills weren't able to tie or do anything like that, I mean, I give all this credit to the Bills. The Chiefs were doing the same exact things. And then they got that um, 
Well, and then everybody wants to say, you know, I know either team that touched it would have scored. We don't. And, I mean, we saw the Chiefs get it, and we saw them drive 75 yards in eight plays and, and score that winning touchdown. So I, I do think that this, you know, in this, the I don't want to say the better team, but the team that was supposed to win won. But, man, these overtime rules need to change. Man, can we just say that these are probably two of the most, like, elusive quarterbacks in the pocket like four sacks total on the day for for both teams just total these guys know how to not get sacked they're they are houdini in the backfield absolutely i mean it's in different ways too i think for josh allen he's a a level of athlete where he's a tough physical matchup to bring down i mean you think most times these edge rushers have a bit of you know, pretty big physical advantage once they get get around the edge and are staring down the barrel at a quarterback. It's not usually, nor not as much of a case when we talk about a guy like Josh Allen. I mean, a huge dude, big and strong, can take a hit. And, I mean, you see him all the time when he's got the ball at his arm like a running back, lower the shoulder and, and give out some punishment. So, I mean, there's no doubt that for him he's hard to take down and you add in that that athleticism as well to boot. I mean, yes, he's a very tough guy to bring down. And Patrick Mahomes is just cool, calm, collected, always seems to know spatially how everything is going on. To me, he's one of those guys that doesn't ever need to look at the rush, watch the rush. He's just got a great feel for it, and he can really feel the pressure, knows when to get rid of the ball, and make smart plays. I think they do it in different ways. And in this game was one of the games where I saw Mahomes scramble the most but just you watch him when the pocket breaks down. He's so well and can get the ball out of his hands in so many different ways. It allows him to extend plays in a way that very few quarterbacks can in this league. Yeah, I know. Both these QBs have so much more time ahead of them. I mean, both are, what, 24, 25 years old. So we still have <clears throat> plenty of time to watch these guys duel in the championships for years to come. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, exactly. I expect to see them matching up against one another quite a, quite a few more times. But now hopping into the, the preview of this Sunday's matchups, Rams and Niners, Bengals and Chiefs. Two rematches, uh, I believe the Bengals and Chiefs played week 17, of course. The Rams and Niners uh, played week 18 for the Niners to secure their playoff spot. Starting with the Rams and Niners, the Rams can't, collapse in the second half again they can't if they do the Niners have such a potent offense with Debo and George Kittle and um and Brandon Ayuk and oh his name is slipping my uh those are really the, the three main guys like they can turn a game around by themselves yeah. and that showed in week 18 when they came back tied it up took it OT and were able to win it yeah, I, I completely agree. And I'd go a step further. To me, in this game, I will be that guy. I think that this Rams team should be the favorite team. I think on paper they are the better team. I trust their offense more. I think they can do more with a quarterback like um, Matthew Stafford. But really, at the end of the day, all it's going to come down to for this Rams team is not beating yourself. If the Rams don't beat themselves with the silly turnovers – and allowing this 49ers team to hang around in this game for too long, there's a great chance that they lose. I, I will say that there's a great chance, not, not a good chance, not a possibility, 
a great chance because this 49ers team, there's one thing that we've seen. This is a team that knows how to get it done, knows how to get it done. I've been impressed. First of all, impressed with them all season long, but now to watch the defense and the offense come together at this point in the year in the playoffs postseason and play this well, it's gotta be, I mean, this has gotta be one of the most confident teams out there. And with the amount of pressure they're able to put on a quarterback, Matthew Stafford's life is not going to be easy. And they're going to not have an easy time running the ball either. So this is going to be tough, but I would definitely still lean Rams. But like I said, it's going to be on them to not beat themselves. They really have to hold on to the football, minimize or limit the turnovers and play a sound football game. If they can do that, I think this should be a pretty easy win, but, you know, even given their history this season, the 49ers have proved to be a – to prove to just have the Rams number. Yeah, I'm, I'm also going with the Rams here just because I think they are the better team. And if Stafford can not throw those dumb passes or those dumb interceptions, they they will walk away with the win because I, I don't think Cam Akers is going to have those two fumbles again. I don't think the Niners have the – the guys that are going to be able to punch the ball out like the Buccaneers front seven did. I mean, I mean, they do have a guy like Nick Bosa up there, but he is the pass rusher of the team. He's not exactly going to be the guy stopping Cam Akers or Senator Michelle or whoever is going to be back there. But I, I don't know if I trust Jimmy G to win back-to-back games against the Rams. I, I really do think last the last game was a bit of a fluke. Really head on Debo Samuel and George Kittle for basically carrying that to the carrying them to that win. I don't think he's gonna be able to do that again. Yeah, so that's the that's the thing for me. It's so hard looking at this game and knowing you know, like I, I always say, the importance of the quarterback position and, and how much that matters, and looking at the difference between now Garoppolo. I, I will admit has played fine this year. But there's a difference between fine and uh, what Matthew Stafford has done this year. I mean, he has been one of the best quarterbacks start of the season to the end of the season. I mean, and he's playing some of his best ball right now, which always helps even more. Whereas Jimmy is doing enough to not allow his team to lose. And there's a a big difference in that. And it is so hard in a quarterback-driven league to pick a guy like that. But – this 49ers team kind of kicks convention. They don't rely, they don't have a team where they rely on their quarterback to win them games. You know, they just do enough and put the ball in their playmakers' hands. And, you know, they draw – I love their play calling. I love the way they draw up their offense, draw up plays for their best players. You know Debo Samuel and, and Cooper Cup are going to have freakish games, I'll say. But to me – I think the Rams have too many weapons and that defense is too deep at this point. Um, I think that they, they catch the 49ers here. I, I, I agree with you there, Ian. Um, and now onto the last game, a rematch from week 17, the Kansas city chiefs and Cincinnati Bengals. This is, this might, I don't think it's going to be an exact replica of, of the bills chiefs game. But I think it's going to be pretty close. I mean, they had a really, really close game in week 17, 31 to 34, going in the Bengals' way. And Joe Burrow outplayed Patrick Mahomes in that game, which is just crazy to say, but he did. 30 for 39, 446, and four touchdowns. And Joe Burrow has been on a hot streak. 
Yeah. Absolute on fire. They have been on absolute fire. And I hear a lot of people saying that, you know, um, they really want the Bengals to win. And I can understand, you know, when a team gets up there and gets that good, it gets boring to watch them uh, and keep on doing the same old things. But I don't think that this one is quite as cut and dry. I'll be honest. Um, This one, I think, first of all, for one, I'm still maybe a little bit hesitant about this this Chiefs team. Now, we haven't seen it in a while, but still thinking back to earlier in the season when they were giving the ball away and, and the, the, you know, the rushing attack wasn't working all that well. I still wonder how this team responds if it's something like, like what happens if Patrick Mahomes throws a really early pick in this game? Or the Bengals score, then Mahomes pick, and then Bengals score again. Are you looking down the barrel? 14 nothing. I do. I would like to know how they respond, but I can't get get myself caught up in all these hypotheticals. To me, in this game, it's another situation where it's so admirable for this Bengals team to be here and what they've accomplished this season. Because, like I mentioned, so many nobody really thought they'd be here, and so the fact that they are on the back of Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and also what Joe makes in T Higgins and all these and all the defenders I mentioned earlier have been doing this season is absolutely fantastic. But this is, I mean, this is the second coming of the AFC dynasty. I mean, New England was dethroned so that the Chiefs could fly. I mean, they are quite literally the powerhouse of the AFC. They were, you know, Super Bowl predict one of the favorite Super Bowl predictions, you know, coming into the year. And here they are again. And it is, it's hard for me to say. I mean, we've seen so much of the success from Patrick Mahomes and company in the postseason that I don't know that I can you know, right off the bat, bet on Joe Burrow and Cincinnati and company getting this one done. Now, what I would love to see it, mind you, I would really love to see it. Watching this Bengals team catch fire um, this late in the season and watching Joe Burrow um, torch opponents in the postseason and Jamar Chase play fantastic has been really, really fun to watch up to this point. But at some point, you just run into something you can't overpower. And to me, I think that's the Chiefs for this team. Now, the Chiefs, like I said, need to be need to be really worried. I don't think they have a way to stop Jamar Chase. They, I, I really don't. And mind you, I don't know. I'm not sure they have a way to stop T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd or Mixon. I mean, but you're going to have to slow them down. And this offense uh, for, for the Chiefs are, is going to have to look just as good as it did versus Buffalo because um, – this Cincinnati defense is not Buffalo's defense, but it's no slouch. And they're very good in their own right. And as I mentioned, turnovers could be very key in this one. But I could not be rational with myself if I didn't roll with the Chiefs in this one. I'm going to go against you here. I'm going with the Bengals here. Um, I think they've been really rolling. I think that Week 17 matchup is kind of what's going to happen again. Um I think Chiefs get an early lead here, but end up crumbling a little bit uh, just because they're not able to uh, handle the guys of, like you said, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon. I, I may be wrong here, but I, I, I'm putting a lot of trust in Joe Burrow. I, I really do think he is the man, the man to do it right now. I can respect that. I can respect that a lot. And I, I will mention this. The one thing that I, I will say that that kind of makes me even more – and now, granted, Jason, if I had balls like you, I would totally go with the Bengals. That's who I would like to see win this game. 
And I, like I said, I don't think it's uh, crazy to say that they have a shot. I really do think they have a shot. They're playing as good as anyone, mind you that. But something that I did realize really in that Buffalo and, and Kansas City game was how much they missed Tyler Matthew after he left that game early. And I'm not going to say that what the Bills were able to do after he exited that game onward was a result of that, but I know it would have been a lot harder on the Bills had they been facing a defense with Tyron Matthew. He just does so many – capable of doing so many things and is always everywhere around the field. So I do think that that played a little bit of a factor in that, and I do believe that he'll be good to go in this one, and he's obviously a difference maker. So that defense will be probably up to full strength again. And another guy I have to mention for this Kansas City defense, Nick Bolton has played fantastic all year long for them, for this team. And yeah, I'm still I'm rolling with the Chiefs, but this is this is anyone's game. And I do believe that I don't think it's as much of a Kansas City blowout as every everybody else wants to make it to be. Oh, no doubt. This can be a fantastic game. Um, both of these games are be good, but I definitely think this is more of the game to watch for this um, because. I mean, in reality, I think if the Chiefs walk away with this, they're going to win the Super Bowl. But if the Bengals walk away, I think the Rams, if they beat the Niners, they walk away with it. It all depends, though. We never know. Injuries could happen. Uh, Someone could slump. I've always thought it comes down to matchups and things like that. Like, I I think, you know, there's really no – clear way that anything works out you know you always think oh if this team beats this team then they then this team beats this team then when they match up this team obviously it's matchups and it's a game where I truly believe if you lined up any game you know a couple of times you never get the same result that's one of the reasons why I really like football and really why this part of the season is so highly anticipated and so so watched because I really do think it has that factor of man if we just ran it again it it'd be a different outcome, and there's always that kind of aspect to it. Yep, um, but with that, I hope you all enjoyed our divisional recap and our, our championship preview. Um, I hope you all enjoy the games on Sunday. Uh, we got two more week, three weeks if you count the Pro Bowl, but I don't think anyone really counts that. Um, but I hope you all have enjoyed. I've, of course, been your host, Jason Mitchner, joined alongside Ian Hatcher. We will see you all next time.